Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, everyone. Welcome. How are you, Nikki? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so, so great. I feel like we've been uh, building up to this conversation for maybe two years, uh, and so uh, this is this is very timely. I know. It's and great. belated. How about yes. that? Yes. It's exciting. <laughs> we are talking about relationships and ADHD uh, today on the show, and we have a fantastic expert to help us uh, and guide us through that conversation. Before we do that, you know the drill. Head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list right there on the homepage and get an email with the latest episode each week. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD and call us. You can leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD and bring us your questions. We'd love your voice and your thoughts on this show. Uh, and don't forget, five-star reviews and iTunes and recommendations in your favorite podcast player helps others discover the show when they need help. For example, on relationships and ADHD, pay it forward and drop us a kind review. We appreciate it, and our future listeners appreciate it. Okay, here we go. Our guest today is Melissa Orlov. She is a marriage consultant and leading expert in how ADHD affects relationships. On top of that, she's an award-winning author of books, including The ADHD Effect on Marriage and The Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD. She's the founder of ADHDmarriage.com, where she writes regularly, along with a cast of incredible contributors to the field and hosts a large community of adults learning about ADHD in their own relationships. You may have caught her writing in the blogs over on Psychology Today and Beyond. In her practice, she teaches couples, therapists, counselors, and coaches about how ADHD impacts relationships, and that's exactly why we've invited her to the show today. Melissa Orlov, welcome to the ADHD Podcast. Thanks. I'm delighted to be talking to you. What happened uh, earlier this summer is I actually sent out a survey to our podcast listeners and to the people on my newsletter, and I, there was so much feedback about relationships and ADHD and wanting to know more about this. And so I thought we could start with maybe just some of the comments that I received in the in the survey and go from there. That's great. Good. Well, I thought a good place to start would be actually before the first date even happens. I know that you do uh, with your books, there's so much about couples and marriage, but there were a couple of comments that came in of people feeling concerned about even 
dating in the first place because of feelings of embarrassment or shame, specifically around disorganization. I got this kind of feeling that people were embarrassed to have people come over to their homes or, or whatever. And I'm just curious from your point of view, before the relationship even happens, any advice there for people who want to date? Who have ADHD. Yes. And know yeah. it. Um, well, so certainly you should. I mean, one of the great things about life is being able to find people to share it with and, and to create really strong connections. I think um, one of the uh, issues in terms of uh, disorganization and whether or not you're feeling embarrassed or not um, is to understand that uh, you don't have to do all of the organization by yourself. So there are a lot of good resources in terms of learning how to get more organized if that's an area of embarrassment for you. Also, there are a lot of people out there who actually don't care that much about the organization, particularly if Eventually, when you move to get, you know, if you moved in together or something like that, um, you could create uh, spaces for um, the ADHD disorganization, which is actually one of the tactics that we use in our own home. Um, and so there are different ways to work around it. What does that look like? I'm 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 looking at that as an opportunity. You just <laughs> <laughs> indeed uh, a place to let the disorganization thrive. Uh, yeah, well, so some people with ADHD, for example, are disorganized for a reason. One of the reasons is that they need to stumble across something or that needs to be out in the open so that they run into it to remember sure. things. So that's one way of remembering. And there are other ways as well where you create calendars or lists or audible reminders or whatever, and maybe you could transition to that. But um, in our household, for example, my husband um, hates to throw things out. He's very busy. He's got a million things going all at once. Uh, sounds familiar, right? That's ADHD. Um, and so what we've come to terms with is that um, he has very specific spaces where I simply don't, don't comment at all. Um, you know, his side of the garage, his office are two obvious ones. He gets almost the entire basement um, because he loves to work on bikes, for example, um, and he's got a lot of stuff with that. Uh, there are obviously, you know, areas in our bedroom like closets and corners and things that are his, and I just don't comment. Um, and uh, there, there are some common spaces like the kitchen and um, the living family space that I care about a lot. So, I've made it my job to keep those neat, um, and he understands that, and he tries not to, to mess them up. So essentially, he's got spaces where I've just stopped. It doesn't matter whether I whether his spaces are messy or not. They're his spaces, um, and we've just divided it up that way, and it works really well. You know, you just described my closet. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's so interesting because I never really looked at it that way, but it's so true. It's like you can tell what side of the closet is mine and you can tell which one is my husband's. And I don't even, and I don't, I don't say anything about it at all. There, there was one time um, about a year ago where I helped him like purge stuff because he had a bunch of clothes and stuff that he just wasn't using or wearing or caring about. And so I helped him with that, but I never say anything. And you're right. It does, it works because I just don't pay attention to it anymore. It just, right. It's it, his. Yeah. I mean, you have to, one of the tricks with with being in an ADHD relationship is to not fall into the pattern where the non-ADHD partner believes that their way is superior. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these, these ways of dealing with things are different, but it's uh, perfectly legitimate if one of your coping strategies uh, is to be able to find stuff because it's out in front of you. 
um, that's just a coping strategy. You know, that's just a way of finding things, right? Um, I, I have a story I like to share sometimes about a, a man who was infuriated. He did not have ADHD. His wife did. And uh, he came to me saying, you know, it's terrible. She leaves her clothes in the dryer and, and she ought to be putting her clothes away in the closet just like normal people do. And, and I said back to him, not what he expected, which is, hey, I think that sounds like a great system. She knows where they are in the closet. Putting them, in a, putting them away would take a lot of extra time that she doesn't feel she needs. She can find her clothes whenever she wants. And if she leaves a laundry basket on top of the dryer in case you want to use it and she's not there, you can just put her stuff in the basket. It takes about two seconds. Mm -hmm. That was not what he was looking for (laughs) as a response. But it worked really well. It was a good system. So sometimes non-ADHD partners get caught up in what is quote-unquote normal. uh, And it's normal for people who, who don't have ADHD. But it's not normal for people who do have ADHD and So some flexibility there is useful. You don't want stuff to take over everything. Um, And uh, and sometimes you do need to work together to say, okay, look, this is, you know, this has started to move from your office and out into the hallways and living rooms. And, you know, if you're building a car in the living room, I might have a problem with it, you know. Right, right. (laughs) We haven't run into that yet. (laughs) I have actually, (laughs) not personally. I haven't personally, but I know somebody who did that. The couple ended up getting divorced over it, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. that, I mean, that, that gets to, uh, to uh, A, a question that came up, and I know uh, something else that has, has resonated from the book, which is just this, how, how do you, as a non-ADHD spouse, you know, a, a approach your, your ADHD spouse without, without that sense of frustration? And, and, you know, hearing you talk about that sort of sense of compromise, it makes the house a much more even place. The general sense that I get when I talk to other couples, uh, and, and we are in my own family is a mixed ADHD. We're a mixed ADHD relationship. And, um, uh, you know, when I talk to others, there's always this sense of my house is a, a, a normal space and my husband or wife is the alien with ADHD that lives inside of it. And we all just try to adapt around and accommodate around this alien behavior. And it's, it is, it's challenging. And I, in my experience, pretty rare to run into a relationship, you know, a, a mixed relationship in which the the uh, you know the house itself is normal and there is in fact somebody with ADHD and somebody without ADHD both living in it together. Yeah, I mean I I'm always wary of words like normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so and it isn't that I don't want to have a certain level of cleanliness in my house. I mean if you're a hoarder and you haven't cleaned your house for 5 years and you haven't done any laundry for 5 years and you're throwing the dirty clothes against the wall and the whole house stinks, you know that's not that wouldn't be okay in probably anybody's book. Um, True. But that's an extreme. Um, and the real question is, how do you accommodate each other? I mean, one of the differences between dating and being married is I think we're more careful when we're dating about um, accepting each other's way of being. And it isn't until it becomes this, oh, my God, this is going to go on forever marriage state that we start to try to impose our own order on our uh, on our partner. I think that happens more commonly. Um, you know, I can't live with this forever kind of a, an attitude. So flexibility is a, is a good thing. And the flexibility has to go both ways. One of the things I do discourage 
is just having is is suggesting because I don't suggest this that the non ADHD partner's job is to accommodate the ADHD. Um, that's not true. <laughs> um, the job is for both partners to be good partners, and so that means that both partners have to accommodate each other. So the need for the non ADHD partner, in this case, in a household, to have some neat spaces where they can find quiet and recovery, a mental recovery, is just as important as the need for the ADHD partner to have spaces where they don't have to think so hard about um, how things are getting cleaned up. So, um, so you have to be very careful. It, one of the hardest things that non ADHD partners face is this sense that they're constantly accommodating the ADHD. And that's that's a path to trouble. Um, it really is a matter of finding how do you empathize with and understand the ADHD, get educated about it so you understand what the impacts are, and then um, accommodate both of you. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing that I, uh, the, uh, you know, you say it's one of the hardest things to do. That's the thing I don't see. And that's what I, I find when I'm talking to my non-ADHD friends they they live in a constant state of being frustrated right right and because they they uh, you know it's it's they've never approached that re the relationship like that it's just this thing of impending doom that oh what am i going to come home to next right and so part of it is that it, there's a psychological aspect to it this isn't really about stuff this is actually about a sense of whether or not your partner cares about you right so we tend to equate our partner's ability to follow through, let's say your partner says, sure, I'll clean up that room. And then if they don't, because they got distracted or they had difficulty planning or some other ADHD symptom got in the way, we tend to equate that with, well, they didn't care enough to try hard enough to do it. And so one of the initial learnings that people ha who are married to those with ADHD need to, or who are partnered with them, they don't have to be married, um, need to understand um, is that this is not a personal thing. It doesn't mean anything about how much you care, it has to do with whether or not the ADHD symptoms are well enough managed. I mean, I believe it is the task of every partner with ADHD to take on the chore, and it really is a chore, of uh, managing the ADHD well enough so that it isn't getting in the way. If you are consistently inconsistent, what you're doing is, whether you want to or not, imposing a huge amount of stress on your partner because they never know when the other shoe's going to drop or when something's going to get left left undone that's really critical. You know, I've had lots of stories from people talking about kids um, not getting dropped off uh, or picked up at uh, daycare at the right time, babysitters quitting because somebody's late all the time, um, you know, things that are actually really important to how a family functions. So ADHD gets in the way a lot. So it's the repetitive nature. It's, it, the ADHD person really has to own the ADHD and and do the best they can possibly do to optimize their treatment. And that doesn't just mean medications. That could be part of it. But one of the things I talk to people about is a sort of three-legged approach to treatment to optimize it. I have on my website, I have a free ebook that describes what that is and, and what the treatment options are for ADHD. And I would encourage anybody to go pick that up because um, it's a really important concept. Uh, is owning the ADHD, not being afraid to say, oh, yeah, you know, my ADHD got in the way there, and I need to do something about that so it doesn't happen again in the future. 
If you do that, the frustration levels go down a lot for the non-ADHD partners. Then they can say, okay, I know my partner's really trying really hard, and I can see that they're trying, and we have an open conversation about it. Well, I know we we jumped a little bit ahead talking about partners. There was still, uh, I think, one more question that's a really good one. Uh, for those who are just meeting one another, uh, Nikki. Well, I think that one of the, the the common questions that I get from my own clients is, you know, here I am single, I have ADHD, I want to, I want to date, I want to, I want to meet someone, but then how how do you tell them about your ADHD? How do you introduce that? Do you come right out first date? I mean, you know, hey, guess what? I mean, wh- what's your advice on that part of it? I don't think it's relevant for the first date. I mean. Um, my guess is that uh, these days a lot of people are pretty, particularly younger people, are pretty ADHD savvy, and so they'll have a sense of whether or not you're often distracted or not. Um, I think it's only relevant um, at the point at which the two of you are starting to be more serious. And it mm-hmm. probably will come up pretty casually if you're comfortable with your ADHD. If you're, if you're not comfortable with it, then you might have to actually just bring it up and say, well, look, I've got ADHD, and I know it has some impact uh, and, and will, and here are some things that I struggle with. And I want you to understand that if I forget to do something you've asked me to do, it's not because I don't care about you. And, you know, there'll be some things like that. But at first it's really not relevant. What's relevant is, do you get along? Do you like do you each enjoy other? being together? All that yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause it's so true. It really isn't relevant. Uh, cause the, the, the ADHD is going to probably factor in in different ways, not just the, the fun part, because at that point you're, you're in the, the honeymoon part of the relationship, right? You're excited and have butterflies and everything seems yeah. to Yeah. I mean, so the other well. thing yeah. is that it's like saying, uh, you know, you're putting up an impediment before you even know whether, whether it is something that needs to be worked on. Right. Um, right. And, and I don't see any reason to do that particularly. It's hard enough to meet somebody that you really enjoy being with. You may as well enjoy yourselves, get to know each other, and then you can make up a your mind. I mean, my daughter has ADHD and, and um, it just sort of comes up eventually mm-hmm. when she's dating somebody. And mm-hmm. um, if she's with a good partner at the time, what they say is something along the lines of, you know, I know you're distracted. You do things in a wildly different way from many people. And I think it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. That's the right attitude right there. Right. Well, something that really resonated uh, to me in your book, and this is from the book, The Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD. And it really goes with what you were just talking about with the, the, uh, the arguments, you had said that, you know, arguments turn partners into adversaries instead of partners against the real problem, which is the ADHD symptoms. And so much of what I hear is, is about communication and how they're communicating with each other. Um, how do I get the other person to understand me? How do I, if I'm, if I'm not ADHD, how do I talk to the person with ADHD without getting frustrated? Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on communication so that you aren't becoming adversaries? Well, so there are some very specific communication things. We don't have nearly enough time to go through all of the suggestions. Um, And I do um, talk, I do teach some of that um, in my uh, couple seminar. Um, But the, uh, but I think there are some, some things you have to be a little bit careful about. Um, So communication is really, really important. And that's one of the reasons why I teach strategies like how do you develop a verbal cue to get yourselves away from a repetitive pattern that goes bad always, Um, you know, interrupt it before you really get going, those kinds of things. Um, 
but I think underlying that is uh, one of the things that that you both have to decide is that you're going to contribute your best self. So one of the things about communication is you can communicate in great ways and they're, you know, having good fights versus negative fights. There are specific things you do in what's called a good fight uh, that, you know, that are important, like starting with a complaint instead of a criticism and things like that. That comes out of John Gottman's work. Oh, yes. But, yeah. He, you're, we're familiar with him. Yeah, exactly. Big, big fans. Big yeah. Fans yeah. He's got a lot yeah. of really good uh, ideas that are very relevant for couples impacted oh. by ADHD. Yeah. But what's probably the most relevant is, yeah, you can communicate about it, but it is the actions that you take to present yourself as your best self into the relationship that also back up that communication. So one of the issues with ADHD symptoms is that they're so repetitive. The frustration for non-ADHD partners comes from the fact that you talk about it and then it happens again and you talk about it again and then it happens again. And so Part of breaking out of that cycle isn't just learning how to communicate around it. It's also learning how to manage those symptoms so that the the new norm, if you want to think of it that way, uh, is that mostly it's not happening. And once in a while it does happen. And for the And you have to pick and choose because you can't focus on everything. So you choose a few things. I'll give you an example. In our relationship, the singly most important thing for my husband to be able to um, communicate to me is that he loves me. It's the affection and the positive affection side of things. If he is communicating that regularly and he has to really remind himself to do it, if he's out of town, he contacts me every day that he's out of town. Even if it's just for a brief period of time, he might send me some tweets or, you know, whatever. Um, or text messages, I guess. And, um, and when we're together, you know, we have all sorts of things that we do to communicate that affection. So he spends his, the majority of his effort on the positive communication. And beyond that, I have enough understanding of ADHD that if there's something weird that happens, if he's late or if, if uh, uh, he promises to do something but he doesn't get around to it um, as quickly as he thinks he's going to or whatever, we can have really calm conversations around all that stuff because he's focusing on the thing that matters the most to me. So you mm -hmm. pick one or two areas that are really important and you get your act together around on those. Mm -hmm. And then the other stuff is much easier to handle. Mm -hmm. So if that's part of the communication part, it's not just communication, which is a little bit like a Band-Aid. It's communication plus the actions that are the key leverage points for your particular relationship. For people that have been married for many, many years and you're very used to each other and you're very comfortable with each other, but you know something's wrong with the marriage, like, how does that, I mean, is that at the, at the point where you need to go and get, like, you need to take your class and you need to get counseling on how to present your best self again? Like, I, I guess I'm, I'm at a loss of how do you, how do you get back to when you're first married, if that makes any sense? Yeah. Well, so you don't ever get back to when you're first married because particularly the courtship phases is all chemically, it's different in your brain. Mm -hmm. um, it's all full of extra dopamine. And the infatuation is about, for everybody, not just people with ADHD, it's all about extra dopamine. So you actually won't behave the way you did when you first started out, <laughs> ever. Um, but the, the way you get back to your best self is to think about who is that best self and then hold yourself to that standard of behaving that way. Now, obviously, one partner could do this, and it's easier in some ways, for the non-ADHD partners to do this if they choose to because they don't face the Im impediment of the ADHD symptoms. Um, 
but uh, uh, you both have to want to do this. So the only way the affection thing works for my husband and I is that he also wants to express this to me because he knows how important it is to both of us. Um, and so you both have to want to want to, to contribute your best self. And again, for the ADHD partner, that usually means if you can manage your ADHD symptoms, all the that the, I think of ADHD symptoms as sort of things, if they're not working for you, they're things that are getting in your way, keeping you from expressing your best self, right? So if you can manage those symptoms, that best self will come forward. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're talking about is you get into these patterns, which mm-hmm. are frustration patterns and all of that. You have to you have to overcome them by will, will, uh, willpower. So, you know, that sounds hard. A, a good therapist, uh, or my class, um, can help you figure out um, how to do that. A lot of people say that they've helped, um, turn things around with the seminar, but that's not the only way to do it. But if you get a therapist, make sure you get somebody who is savvy with ADHD because otherwise you'll get the wrong advice support yeah 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 I I, well and I see that even like with organizing if you're going to talk to a professional organizer make sure they have ADHD experience because it's different you're going to organize yourself differently um now in your book you talked about attending which I would assume must be one of the strategies that you're helping with communication within the relationship is that correct right right so attending you're talking about like having a a block of time where you're just with your partner. Mm-hmm. And so how does that work if you have a really busy life and you've got kids in the house and you're working and I mean, you can just imagine all the different excuses that people will say that they just don't have time. Right. And of course the times that you are busiest is when you most need the attending. Exactly. <laughs> right. The way that works. Uh, particularly when you have young kids, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so attending is about spending some time together where you're just focused on each other, right? We do this. One of the reasons people like vacations so much is not only do they leave their day-to-day stuff behind, but they also tend to get a chance to do something fun together or focus on each other in ways that they don't normally do because they're clearing out the rest of their stuff. So this concept is about um, having time every single week, um, even every day is great, um, where you're just focused on each other and being affectionate with each other. It's the only purpose of attending is to be able to show that you like each other and that you can be affectionate. Um, so that might. So let me give you some examples of what that looks like that are small. Um, I used to go to downtown. My our son used to um, play bassoon with the New England Conservatory, and we would go, he we would take him down to his rehearsals. And then we had three hours while he was rehearsing on Saturday afternoons, and we decided to turn it into a a planned, spontaneous date. Um, And in that, um, we would just do something fun. We would wait until that day and figure out what that was going to be, so it was kind of fun and intriguing, and then we would go do it. Hmm. And so we spent three hours together. Maybe we just walked the city and held hands. Maybe we went to a coffee shop and chatted. Maybe we went to a museum, something like that. Just had fun together and remembered that we liked each other. Um, another example of attending is I sometimes suggest to clients that they set their alarm 10 minutes early and spend the time holding each other, physically holding each other and just saying nice things or just being together in uh, companionable silence and, hold, and touching each other. Um, that's a way you could do that daily. It takes 10 minutes. Yes, we're all busy, but it is an issue of priorities. We forget Um, because there's an urgency to deadlines and to lists, we forget that, in fact, the singly most important thing that we can do for ourselves and our family and our kids 
um, above everything else is to have um, a strong bond between the uh, the parents, mm-hmm. the the spouses. So, um, so that's your that should be the number one priority is finding some time for that every single day. And if you have to drop something else off, like uh, you know driving to practice or or signing up for something else or taking out. Um, you know, I don't know what, doing some kind of shoveling or whatever, maybe you need to hire a plow. I mean, seriously, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, get rid of something because there's nothing more important. In in your experience, does the the act of just physical intimacy, right, that holding one another and being attending to to one another in a physical, uh, sort of physically accessible way, uh, does that have a different impact on uh, those with ADHD uh, versus those who don't? Or is it pretty much all the same kind of thing? Um, I, I don't think it has a different impact because both partners are looking to be reassured. Um, the idea behind that is not meant to be sexual. In fact, I say don't, don't have sex, uh, during that time. Um, but the idea is to be able to calm yourselves and slow yourself down enough to say the nice things about each other. Gee, I really liked what you did yesterday when you did X. Wow, I love running my fingers through your hair. Um, you know, the sound of your heartbeat is so reassuring to me or um you know wasn't it great that we all as a family got to go out for a picnic yesterday or whatever it is things that remind you of the positives um it's a form of it's a it's an intimate form of gratitude seeking gratitude which uh, research suggests that um that actually helps rewire our brains towards the positive which everybody needs and particularly couples who are impacted by ADHD need um, so it's a great way to start or finish your day. Um, some people do it at the end of the day. Um, and it's a, or just a really nice, you know, one, one couple said to me, I really like this because even if I think these things through the day, I never take the time to actually save them because I'm so busy. So this gives me a few moments every day to just um, acknowledge the good things that are going on. I, I really like that. And I think, you know, I have a lot of, uh, of friends who, you know, they're so busy and they rely on texts, you know, they send them, send each other, oh, we send each other loving texts throughout the day. And, and my sense is that's not the same. Definitely not. I mean, it, you know, physical touch is a, is a wonderful thing and it's part of what's unique and special. You can send anybody a text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can't, Hopefully, you right. Hopefully, you won't be cuddling with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I suppose you could, but <laughs> well, and, and so when you were talking about gratitude, I think it's also just showing appreciation because it doesn't matter how long you've been married. You want people, you want your spouse or your partner to tell you that they love you and that you appreciate them, and or they appreciate you, and they're grateful for everything that you do. And uh, I remember, you know, who. <laughs> Where do we get marriage advice? On TV, of course. Um, I remember <laughs> watching this TV series called Parenthood. It was one of my favorite shows. And Pete, we talked about this on another podcast yeah. a long time ago, but the the husband and, and wife were talking and they were fighting or arguing over something. And and uh, at one point he he looked at his wife and he's like, I hear you and I see you. I understand what you're saying. And it was just that point of validation that really stuck with me, how important it is that we feel heard and that we feel seen, you know, even in arguments or disagreements that we still have that validation, but then also turning that into gratitude because I can see so easily that trap. And you talk about this parent and child role of the non-ADHD person 
instead of being grateful for half of the yard being done, that I'm nagging my husband about the other half that's not done. Right. It's like my focus is wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not that your focus is wrong. It's just that your focus is discouraging. It's discouraging. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, I hear even from ADHD partners who are working with great um, concerted effort to improve things. They say, you know, it used to be that I got two out of 10 things right and eight things that I made mistakes on. Now I get eight things right and two that I don't. And my partner is still focused on the two that I don't, which is really discouraging. Mm -hmm. And I told, and I understand both sides. Yes, absolutely. It's discouraging because that work deserves, it's hard work and it really deserves to be acknowledged and, and celebrated. Um, the two that the partner is still commenting on represents the fear that that partner has that things will regress and, um, and go back to the old way. Um, it's not that they feel that they have to be perfectionists, but they're so easily triggered in that arena that they fear. And so because of their fear, they, they, you know, they keep pushing rather than celebrating. Um, so, you know, we really do give it, it's interesting, the cuddling, you asked a question about the ADD, non-ADD, the cuddling, I think does actually different things for those folks. And I do want to get to parent child in a second, um, cause it's really important, but, um, the, the non-ADHD partner needs to feel that their partner is paying attention to them. And so that's what the the cuddling helps with there as one. It's just one way of attending. There are others. Wow, the, that's, the 80, that, that hit me very hard. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> well, right. I don't think I've never ever actually thought about that because it's being put aside, right? Yeah, so they right. need to feel that the partner has enough time to pay attention to them. Well, you certainly and, recognize that. I know that you paying attention to me is really hard work for you, and I am acknowledging that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the ADHD partners. Um, um, have had a typically a long history of people telling them that they could do better. Um, and so just having somebody there saying nice things to them is really a refreshing and very valuable change for them. So, so they're each getting something that they very much at the heart of what they need um, to feel whole um, in the relationship through something like that. All right. Mm -hmm. So on, you talked about parent child. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> I right. do want to get back to that because it's really important and it's a source of a lot of anger and frustration in these relationships. And, you know, if I have one thing that I want to work on with couples, actually the, the, the place that I would attack almost always would be the, the parent child dynamics where the non ADHD partner sort of takes over and goes in charge and starts to nag and, and push as a way of getting change done and, and sort of over functions in the relationship. And, and the ADHD partner moves into a more childlike role or under functions um, and, and doesn't have a system in place, for example, for getting the whole yard done, um, which isn't an impossible task, um, but which might need a specific system. Plan, yeah. And that's, it's a huge, it, that, that area of, uh, it, what, to get around it um, takes some very specific actions. So one of those actions is to take full, um, optimize that ADHD treatment so that, and that means it includes behavioral changes. So in the case of the yard, it might mean, okay, I've, I've only got half an hour now and I know it's an hour. So I'm going to schedule it to on my schedule for Saturday morning for half an hour and Sunday morning for half an hour or whatever. And then, mm -hmm. you know, put up a reminder, some kind of a system. So it actually gets done or set an alarm or something like that. Um, or something different. That's a leg two behavioral 
side of things. Um, so it includes the ADHD treatment, um, taking that really seriously. It also includes for the non-ADHD partners giving up some control. So the gut level response for non-ADHD partners when they are faced with the chaos of living with ADHD is to want to control it. So no. That things don't fall apart. Yeah, I really? Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're seeing yourself in the mirror right now, right? I am. <laughs> and while that is understandable, it works against you. Because it the, totally does. Yeah, yes. yeah. The more control you try to take, the more resentment builds up in your partner and the less control you have mm-hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he comes back with me about everything that I'm doing wrong. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and you may probably are doing some things wrong. Oh, and sure. So he's probably right. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but defensiveness and resentment don't make you a good team. Right. Um. So um. So the non ADHD partners need to learn to to give up control, and the way to do that is to partner instead of to command. Yeah. Um. So um. For a lot of couples, for example, um, benefit from some kind of overt discussion of chores. And we talked at the very beginning of this session um, about equal status in the relationship. Yeah. And uh, and in order to have those coordinating, be able to coordinate with each other, you need to have equal status, which means if your partner says, I can't do the lawn right now, that has to be an okay answer. This is fantastic uh, material. And I hope we have, uh, for our community, I hope we have... Uh, address the questions well substantively. Uh, if anybody has any follow-up questions, please let us know, and we will we will surely get those answers. But but uh, as we close, I I wonder if you could give us just sort of a, an overarching um, thought, Melissa, on on uh, sort of how you'd like to leave folks from this conversation. Well, you had asked at the beginning of the you know should I date uh, anybody if I've got ADHD? ADHD does not in any way, shape, or form, need to uh, ruin your relationship. Um, but you do need to get yourself educated about um, what the specific patterns are that having ADHD in the relationship encourages. We've talked about a few of them, not having enough time to attend to each other, the parent-child um, issue, the lack of equal status, um, you know, certainly needing to learn certain communication skills, etc., um, so it's really important, um, but I, the message I always like to leave is you can really thrive in your relationship, and in fact, the differences that you have can really energize your relationship. Um, my relationship is never boring uh, mm-hmm. because my husband and I are so different. Um, you know, sometimes it's frustrating because we're so different, and there were years when we thought we would maybe get divorced because we were so different. Um, but once you learn the um, the strategies, you really can. Uh, learn to be really happy together and, and enjoy each other. So, so I encourage everybody to do that research and to not lose hope. Um, and again, I do have a lot of resources. This is sort of my mission to help people do this um, on my website. Um, which I assume you don't mind my talking about. I no, That was my next question. Where would you yeah. like to send people to learn more? You mentioned the free download of the ebook. I'll put all of the links to all of these resources. Whatever you tell me, it's in our show okay. notes. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, the ebook yeah. is on the homepage, so it's easy to find. And the website is adhdmarriage.com. And it's good for you whether you're married or not. It's about relationships, but that was what was available when I got it. <laughs> um, and... Uh, um, it's really got a ton of resources um, and more. Um, I mean, 
and I'm and I, you can contact me there and ask me questions as well. So um, and you have this class, right? That is that available at any time that they can down download this, or well, is this something so the, you do live? The best, the best way to take the class is to take the live version, which I give by conference call. So it's very easy to connect to anywhere in the world. Um, I um, you can either do that live or you can listen to the recordings the next morning and still participate. The reason that's the best format is you get to hear everybody else's questions, which is really informative and very reassuring. Yeah. Um, but I do have for, uh, I give that three times a year because it's eight weeks, um, eight weeks long. Um, and, uh, but I also do have a downloadable version of that for people who um, just want it right then and don't want to follow the once a week format. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's available both ways. And I will be adding, um, I now also have support groups. I am now giving some workshops um, in different places. Um, so there's a lot of different resources and ways to, to work with me. I also do counseling, though I'm often fully booked. So, mm-hmm. uh, But certainly you can ask if I have any availabilities on that as well. This is, is just fantastic. Thank you, uh, Melissa, for your time today. We certainly appreciate you as a resource to not just to our listeners, but to the ADHD community. And to Pete and I. <laughs> and to Pete and I. Yeah, that's right. We, <laughs> more than we've learned else. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's glad great. to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate more than anything your time and your attention. On behalf of Melissa Orloff and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>